Hello and welcome to another episode of Outdoor Executive Dad, a podcast for parks and conservation professionals where we discuss how to be better leaders in our jobs, in our communities, and in our families. Because we have one world to leave behind the next generation, let's make it a good one. I am your host, Chris Lee, and today I'm talking with Bob Etzel, retired director from Tama County Conservation in Tama County, Iowa, of course. Bob put 40 years in at Tama County, and for a long time, pretty much uh, the whole first part of my career up until he retired a couple years back, uh, Bob was a big name in county conservation here in Iowa. He was a leader in organizing our annual Winterfest conference, which is a all-staff conference that's held every winter, hence the name, uh, and gathers a whole bunch of county conservation professionals from all over the state, and uh, just a, a really great conference, and uh, Bob did great things in, in that respect, and in a lot of other ways, too. He was involved in a lot of things throughout his years in Tama County, and did some great stuff there in Tama County. So, with that, I give you Bob Etzel, retired director from Tama County. Give me your background. You know, how long did you work in this field? Um, you know, and, and I know you retired there from Tama County, but, uh, you know, what was kind of your history with uh, the parks and conservation? Okay. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, well, I worked for, for Tama County. Tama County actually was my first job in the field and, and my last job in the field. So, I mean, I started in Tama wow. County in uh, 1979. So I worked there for 40 years and one month. Uh, I was a graduate from the University of Idaho College of Forestry, Wildlife, and Range Sciences. I had a degree in what they called wildland recreation management. So I was studying more how people use, like out there, it was mainly wilderness areas and outdoor type areas. So I started in Tama County. Uh, in 79, um, I, you know, didn't know how long I'd be there. I was recently married. I was a, what, year, year, I guess I was married for about a little over a year. Uh, and you know how it is when you're young and stuff and you don't know where you're headed or what you're going to be doing. And, and I didn't imagine that I'd be there my whole career, but it just turned out that way. I fell in love with it. And my wife and I, you know, she got a career going down here and, and, uh, uh, we raised four kids and stuff, lived in the park for the whole career and everything. So I don't know, I just sort of fell in love with Tama County and the job and never branched out or went anywhere else. So that's my background. So Wow. So backing up a little bit, what was it that got you first interested in, in this line of work? You know, why did you choose to, to go to school out in Idaho? You know, what was there, you know, what what was it growing up that drew you to this? Right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, how do you get to where you go? I mean, it's life is so interesting. You got so many paths you take and, and things. How do you get to where you're at? I, I don't know. Uh, both my parents were school teachers and, uh, what we did was in the summer, we always took a, uh, two week, uh, two and a half week vacation and we always went camping and, and, uh, my dad was in the military in World War II, and he sort of had an imaginary line drawn across the United States. He never wanted to go south. He, some of his training, his basic training was down in the southeast, and it was too hot, he thought, and too humid. And so it, we sort of <laughs> branched out. A lot of it was out west. We went out, you know, to Black Hills and 
Olympic National Park and, you know, camping all the way out to the West Coast and back. We also went to the East. So uh sort of had a love for that. My dad, well, actually, my dad, when he came out of World War II, was going to go into forestry at Iowa State, but at the last minute changed his mind and, and went to Westmar College, which is in Lamar's, Iowa, up uh, in Plymouth County. So uh, that's where he met my mom. She was a native from up there. So he had an interest in that, you know, in the outdoors and stuff, and he always enjoyed, and my mom too, they both really enjoyed uh, camping with the kids and, and doing that and showing us nature. And we'd spend a lot of time, not just that two weeks, but in the summer and stuff, we would do a lot of hiking and, and that type of thing. So I fell in love with nature, that type of thing. And I uh, went to Morningside to begin with, Morningside College in Sioux City on a biology chemistry major. I was a, on a basketball scholarship up there and and uh, just decided my friend from high school, we talked and stuff, when he was in the same field, we both transferred to University of Idaho. So that's how I ended up out there. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, I, I mean, it's sort of our back, I sort of, uh, can credit it to my parents, my love of nature and things. So, uh-huh. excellent. So, you know, so you get out of college, you you come back home to Iowa. Um, you know, you you land this this Tama County job. Did you start out as director there? Yeah. Well, actually, back then, you know, it's long enough, Chris. It wasn't. We weren't called directors back then. My my first position, no. yeah, I was the director. It was called an executive secretary. At that time, I was executive okay. secretary for Tama County. And then probably, I can't remember when, it must have been the mid-'80s, and it started changing over to the term was director or whatever. Maybe it was the early okay. 80s when they did. But, yeah, so I came to Tama County. Actually, uh, it was sort of dumb luck. I was applying around. I was came back to Iowa because I worked for the Iowa DOT when I was in college. I was on a survey crew, a construction survey crew, out on the highways and stuff, I was a, a rodman for a survey crew. But I came back because I had that job waiting for me, and then I just applied, and I applied everywhere from Maine to California to Hawaii, everywhere. Uh, it was in the, you know, I graduated in 78. That was sort of the uh, environmental movement, so everybody and their brothers was applying for jobs. So I applied here in Iowa. I actually re- interviewed in Sac County, I think it was, maybe, Sac County. I didn't get that job and uh, went to Tama County and got that. But I was the only guy there, so I was. it was me, myself, and I when I first got to – so we had a huge staff of one <laughs> at that time. Uh, <laughs> but soon we soon added a, a maintenance tech uh, or a maintenance uh, supervisor, I guess, position because, you know, I, I didn't really have a background in, in you know, mechanical repair or machinery and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we branched out for there. So we had two people in Tama County for quite a while. I'm trying to think. Then we added a, a, a maintenance tech position, which actually was a conservation uh, tech position. And that would have been probably in the 80s, some late 80s maybe. Uh, and so then we had a staff of three, and then we added on a, a naturalist position 2013 or something like that so uh, we didn't have a really big staff in the summertime we would about double in size we would go to eight people because we'd hire uh, two uh, seasonal rangers and and two conservation aides 
for summer season. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. – uh, so basically my – it was like my position was growing from within. You know, my responsibilities and the things I did uh, changed over time. It was the same position. It's just because of staffing and, and our program, it, it grew uh, with me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, four full-timers, is that that what it ended up when you retired? Is that still the, yeah. still the county? Yeah, uh, what we have, what, 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 you know, what team of county has is uh, they have a director, uh, they have a maintenance supervisor, they have a conservation tech, and they have a uh, naturalist. And that's their four positions okay. that they have. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, Iowa County Conservation Boards, they, they spread their focus across, you know, generally across three major areas, you know, parks and recs, natural resources, and environmental education. Um, you know, I, I always like asking, what percentage of, of Tama County's focus was allocated to those three components, and how did that change over the years? I know, you know, even today, like some counties barely have an environmental education program. Some counties don't have, you know, nature centers. Um, others have, you know, very robust uh, EE programs. You know, a lot of them are are very parks focused. Um, you know, and, and not a lot of on the side of natural resource management. And that just that varies across the 99 counties. Um, you know, how was that split up in, in Tama County, and how did that change over the years? Well, it definitely changed over the years. Any any county conservation board, uh, you know, we have a, a history, you know, which started in the late 1950s, depending on what county you're in. Our first uh, meeting of our county conservation board was in January of 59. We were voted into existence in 58, the general election of 58. So, so we started in 59, and, and like that's the beauty of the conservation county conservation system. The way I saw it was, you know, it was to uh, local people meeting local needs. So they, you know, the county you're in, I'm sure they evaluated back when they started in the late 50s or 60s, and and uh, evaluated what their needs were in their county. And our first board, uh, their main thing that they felt was important is they wanted to uh, establish a centrally located lake and park, lake and park facility. So they wanted uh, to provide, you know, opportunities for, uh, you know, camping and, and fishing and hiking and swimming and and those kind of things. So our background in Tama County started in, uh, you know, parks management, basically, because that was our, we we actually had a small park that was uh, owned by the DNR, you know, run by, managed by the DNR, owned by the state of Iowa, but they actually, it was a 25-acre park in the northern part of our county uh, that they couldn't take care of any longer. They, uh, I mean, they had no interest. Well, you know, why would the state want to manage a 25-acre Little Dinky Park in northern Tama County. So that was our first area that we had. Uh, but, you know, Tama County, the Otter Creek Lake, the work, uh, the construction started. The dam was completed in 1970. So that was our first goal of the board was to acquire property, locate property, buy it, uh, develop a lake, and construct one. So from 59 to 70, most of their time was spent doing that. So Obviously, our background was in parks and rec to begin with. Uh, that was our main f- uh, focus. Um, and I was just basically, the, the one thing I, I really enjoyed about my career, uh, this is maybe a little sidelight or something, but when I came in, uh, in 79, there was still two of the original board members uh, 
on the conservation board, and they happen to be the two guys, two main guys that were uh, really behind the Lake Park uh, facility and finding the property. They spent a lot of their time, they were young men at that time, uh, running around the county trying to find this land uh, with the vision of a, a, a Lake Park facility. So I had a, a historical tie to the original roots of the board, uh, which is, was nice. So... Uh, I, you know, they, they, wow. I was able to converse with them and know what they were thinking, what their vision was, you know, what they uh, wanted the, the facility to become and our program to become. So that was pretty nice. You know, new people coming on now don't necessarily have that historical tie to the beginning roots of your program. So to different varying degrees. So I felt very lucky in that regards. But so to begin with, it was very heavily parks and rec type thing. Uh, not so much natural resources as far as like wildlife type areas. Also in Tama County, we have a, a large DNR presence with Otter Creek Marsh, which is at the other drainage of our Otter Creek Park. We start up where the park creek starts and the marsh is down where it gets ready to dump in the Iowa River. So we had uh, a large presence of a wildlife, you know, that was a 3,600 acre uh, marsh area type thing. So uh, so our, our goal to begin with probably was 90% or more in parks and rec. The, any environmental education we did was what I could fit into my schedule. You know, you tried to do as best as you could. And, you know, maybe a fifth grade field day in the spring or, you know, some hit and miss stuff with schools. But that's where we started. So uh, so to begin with, probably 90, 95 and 5 probably to begin with or maybe a little more to environmental ed. Uh, now, though... We've grown. The program grew. Uh, we had a vision. I had the board and I both wanted to develop a more environmental education presence. Uh, so starting back in the 80s, uh, probably mid-80s, we, we'd been working with the supervisors for a long time trying to convince them to hire another person. And Tama County, I don't know how your county is, but ours is a real rural, uh, conservative county, and boy, they don't really want to add staff on if, you know, it's not, they don't have a lot of money floating around that they want to throw that way. So it took a long time, but uh, we weren't making much headway of getting a naturalist on board. So we sort of went at it back asswards in Tama County. Uh, it was sort of like, okay, supervisors aren't going to hire somebody. Uh, I had a lot of school teachers in the county that were interested in the little bit I did. And uh, we had a vision of of having a, a nature center with a naturalist uh, on board. So we went ahead and started raising money in 1989 for uh, a nature center. And we were able to construct the nature center. Let's see, we did it in phases. We paid for everything as we went. So we all it was all fundraisers, donations, grants uh, to fund that thing. So the supervisors, their support of the project was they said they wouldn't stop us but they wouldn't give us any tax dollars to help build the facility. So we ended up, ended it up, I think it's over $1.7 million, but we had to raise that all. So we, we started in 89, and we had a shell of a building with the office area open, ready to go, probably by 90, 96 or 7. And then we just continued as we had funds coming in uh, to construct the nature center and the, and the components therein. And we completed the nature center with our final exhibits, our formal exhibit, 
completed in 2013. Uh, yeah, 2013, and that's at the same time when we were able to finally get a naturalist on board. So now I would say our environmental ed presence has grown significantly. And so from that 95.5 thing, it probably came, we still are heavier in the parks and rec than we are in wildlife areas, but we do more uh, habitat management and stuff like that on our areas. So we did an expansion of the park property in the early 2010, I think, round. We doubled the park size for taking uh, highly erodible ground out of production around the park and putting it into native habitat and that type of stuff. So we did. So I would say now probably the ratio might be 50% or 60% parks and then, uh, you know, probably that's well, 50, 50, probably 50 and 30 and 20 maybe. There's something around those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So with, so, you know, I don't know how was your board. Is that, sort of the history of your type of board. I mean, I used to, Tama County sort of had a unique program. We didn't run it. It was done by our, our uh, auditor's office in the American Legion or whatever, but we have a county a government day every year. They have, they've had it for a long, they had it longer than I was around. And it's the only one existing now in Iowa, I think. It used to be common around the, co- year, around the state. But I'd give a program, and I always told kids, if you hopped in your car and started driving across the state, no matter what direction you went and stopped in every county at their county conservation board office and asked them what they did, there'd be a lot of similarities, but there'd be a lot of differences too, depending on what their uh, background was to, to begin with. So do you agree with that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's kind of what I'm finding, you know, as I go through and talk to folks from different counties is that, you know, 99 counties have, have, you know, 99 different ways of doing things. And I, I think that, that right there is the defining feature of county conservation in that, you know, just like you said, it is, it is local people meeting local needs. And so, you know, what, what works in Tama County or, or what's important in Tama County may or may not be the same as, you know, what people want or need in Des Moines County or, you know, Polk County. Um, and, you know, and, and so that's, that's the great thing about county conservation is that, you know, we're lean and mean, we can, we can make those local decisions and, that's why I just I love this this organization this industry so much, um, you know. So I really enjoy talking to folks like you and, and kind of hearing how things you know changed and shifted over the years and you know as as nature centers get built and come online and and you know the EE programs that that pop up from that and and you know the shift from you know it seems like a lot of counties you know started out like we want we want this one park or you know we want we want this you know defining feature. Um, and you know, once they, they kind of start getting that park in place, then the focus kind of shifts and broadens a little bit. And they, you know, they start getting into the natural resource management and start focusing on, you know, environmental education and getting a nature center. And, um, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see and just hear how, how that, you know, changes from, from one County to the next and just the, the process by which that, that follows. And, you know, and that kind of leads me in, into my next question. Um, you know, so thinking back, there, kind I, of the, before, yeah, sure. Before we go there, I just wanted to add something else, I guess. Uh, like, you mm-hmm. know, like with young directors, I just remember me when, I don't know how, you know, how long have you been up there, Chris, now? 
in Des Moines County? Uh, I've been with my county for going on 12 years. Wow, already? <laughs> Time flies by. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. remember when you did <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been of those uh, director for seven of them. Okay, well, that's still, that's a lot longer. I don't, well, it shows you how much. When you get there 40 years, you know, things sort of run all together and stuff. So, but, you know, <laughs> the thing I remember. I'm noticing that at 10 and 12. Well, you know, we were talking about the diversity. That's the thing I really enjoyed about uh, about the county conservation board system. It seemed like, you know, because I had some of the, well, National Park Service or uh, Iowa DNR or something. But I think on the county conservation side of it, we have, as directors especially, we have so much creative freedom and stuff to, you know, free thinking and and uh, to meet your local needs and, and to be involved on the statewide level and all that kind of stuff. It just seems like the diversity of, of creativity is so much easier and greater on the county county level. I mean, because you don't have to go through 85 million people to uh, convince and things. You know, maybe that's a little dangerous on the one side, but it's, it's the fun part of being county conservation. Uh, another thing I remember as a very young director coming in, and that's one thing with uh, young directors I'd tell them is, when you go, every district's pretty much the same way. I was a district one, so I had Polk County in there, uh, which was a really big county, and Story County, which is a pretty good-sized county. I'd go to district meetings and you know, or even statewide meetings, and you'd sit there, and, and somebody from Polk County would get up there, and, they, of course, they have, like, staff of 40-some people or something, and they're going, <laughs> oh, we're doing this and we're doing that and all this kind of stuff. And it was very interesting, but it was a little intimidating as a young director going, I'd just leave some of those meetings going, God, we're not doing anything <laughs> in Tama County. You know, because we just didn't have – you just got to do what you can do best and what your funds allow and what your program direction allows and, you know, take from those bigger counties and, and any county. That's why I like district meetings. You go around and so you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but it can be intimidating. Were you, did you ever have that type of view when you first came into the mix? Like, wow, you know, we're not doing what, whatever. I don't know who's the biggest county in your district or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, but still do. Actually, I mean, that, that, you know, anytime you go to a district meeting or you go to these state meetings, you know, we, we go up to, you know, the fall conference or to any of the ISACs or whatever, and you hear, hear from other counties. But, you know, even in our district, you know, some county, you know, even counties smaller than mine, you know, my, my county's a population of about 40,000. So, I mean, we're a, we're a fairly decent sized county by Iowa standards. And, you know, I, I look at, we go to these district meetings and hear these projects from these smaller counties and, you know, and they're just, they've got this big multi-million dollar, you know, lake project going on or some, you know, something like that. And you're like, man, how, you know, how are they pulling that off? And, and, you know, <laughs> but, but everybody has their time and, you know, and, and two years later, you know, it might be us or it'd be a different County and, you know, and that, that stuff moves around and, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm on the reap grant committee as well. And so it's really fun to read those reap grants and just get a sense of what's going on around the state and the different projects that people are tackling. And, you know, I mean, just, I mean, it, it is David taking on Goliath, some, you know, oh, and, yeah. and they're, they're killing it, you know, they're doing it. And, you know, these little tiny counties building these, you know, world-class nature centers and, and, you know, buying these amazing parks and, and natural resource areas and, and just, you know, the programs that they're putting on and the people that they're reaching is just, man, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Just, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay, so, I didn't mean to you know, we can, 
No, that, that's that's exactly, you know, what, what we're here for. Um, you know, along those lines, you know, taking like the 30,000 foot view of, of your career, um, you know, what what stories immediately come to mind? You know, it could be those big projects or, or something like that. You know, thinking back over a 40 year career in, in the same county, you know, what what is it that, that pops into your head? Well, on the on the county, on the local county conservation program, yeah, for me, probably the biggest project I was involved with, uh, first of all, the challenge of, like I said, I had two original board members on board that uh, when I first came there, you know, and they were the ones that were very influential in developing Otter Creek Lake and Park and uh, the challenge and the excitement of carrying on their legacy, so to speak, you know, being committed to that, uh, you know, uh, was a very exciting and challenging thing. And then with the uh, long-term acquisitions to double the park size to help protect the lake in the long term, uh, you know, they basically had a park that was just barely big enough. It was sort of bursting at the seams because they were very conservative and and probably only had that much money to buy that much land and then you throw a lake in the middle of it and it's even though it's just a 70 acre lake it still sort of pushes the all the programs out to the edge of the perimeter so it was that was fun and challenging the nature center project was really uh probably the biggest financial accomplishment that i was able to do uh but it wasn't just me it was the fun part was it's like it's the same way with you it's not your projects it's you gotta people buy into it and uh you know your board has to buy into the supervisor has to buy into it the general public has to buy into it especially when in tama county that's like seventeen thousand people you're trying to raise you know a million and a half dollars or something and the supervisors aren't giving you a dime they'll take care of the building after it's built that's a big challenge to go out and and talk to the public and and make partnerships and all that kind of stuff. So that on that side, that probably was uh, the most fun. And, and the thing I, I on the fundraising, I guess for the nature center, the thing I found most interesting is I had preconceived notions before I went out about probably where some of this money was going to come from, and I had some awakenings that some of our biggest donors wasn't the local banker or the wealthy guy in town. I know that isn't common to every county, but ours came from, you know, the local primary school janitor that comes up to you and goes, here, I want to give you a $500 contribution or something. Really cool. I I got to meet so many cool, neat people that you just wouldn't imagine, you know, with that project. Yeah. but well, one other story that I wanted to relay, and it's not really about Tama County, it's more uh, a story for uh, the statewide vision, if you will. Uh-huh. And that's something that's a challenge for everybody is the statewide vision. You know, some people have a hard time doing it. They want to stay local and, and not be involved on the state level or think that way. Like you're talking like you're on the REAP uh, committee or whatever, the, the grant scoring committee. Uh, yeah, that's yep. I know some people get really frustrated. When you walk in there to REAP or when you walk in there, Wildlife Habitat Stamp Project, that project that you're bringing in to be scored is probably, you know, your top project that you're working on. You know, it means a lot. You blood, sweat, and tears for that project. You walk in there, and all of a sudden you've got 20 or 30 that are all the same boat. So I know some – 
I was pretty, uh, I understand the statewide concept and the importance of our statewide effort. So I just know there was some directors that got pretty upset or, you know, down the dumps when their project wouldn't score enough to, to get it, you know, and, and, and you got to look on that statewide level. Um, it's very important to have that statewide vision and understand, well, uh, you know, maybe Chris Lee's project, hey, that is an awesome project. That's, you know, and, and my project just wasn't good enough, you know, type thing. And and I I did under REAP for this expansion of our park project. It took me three grant cycles to get it in there and finally get funding. I was always just the project out of the money, and Polk County was always ahead of me two years running, <laughs> and it was like, how am I competing against, you know, and it was sort of, I had a, I took a lighter high road to it. I understood the realities of the situation, but I'm going like, oh, you know, cause I'd see projects. I'd look at them when they, what are the projects coming in? And somebody go, it'd be, let's say over in Harrison County or something, uh, Lust Hills wildlife area or something. And then somebody to have a fin project or something or, or <laughs> right. the joke was I would talk to some of the guys that afterwards they go, well, we've been talking about maybe trying to run some plumbing out onto this property and try to make it look like a fin or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then right. eventually we got it. You know, we stuck with it, and I kept rewriting it, and we made different changes to it, and, and it finally scored well enough, you know, to get funding. But the main story that I wanted to tell you, I guess, is not on that level. It has to do with an individual and uh, Tom Hazelton. Okay, you know Tom pretty well. You know, oh, yeah. you know with the directors' uh, association and stuff, and, and you know Tom, and and you know the kind of person Tom is. I, you know, I don't know what your relationship is with Tom or whatever, but Tom's got that real type A personality. That uh, you know, he's a man. I don't know. He's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he's like a, a natural thing, like a tornado or something. I mean, he's so creative. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's sort of. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yes, I know from going around the state and my being involved with the association, the employees association. Uh, I was in, you know, secretary treasurer for 15 years with, and I got. I've known Tom a long time, long before that and stuff. But, and I consider him a friend. You know, I'm not a drinking buddy of his or a golfing partner, but a professional friend of his. He's always been very respectful to me, and I've been respectful to him. But uh, I know around the state, some people. Probably are a little rubbed a little bit wrong by him, or some are intimidated by him. You know, some of the I'm talking the general staff, not all directors. I'm talking all the way down to the you know the park rangers and the and the naturalists, all that kind of stuff. But Tom, he has a belief and a vision that's I don't know his contribution. Uh, he's you know he goes to these meetings and he does a lot. He, in the old days, he used to when he he'd get up on his soapbox, you know, he'd bring along a soapbox, he'd stand <laughs> on it if he had something he wanted to talk about. And I've always had a high regards for Tom and, and respect for him, but I'm not always agreed with him. And that's the thing. I think our relationship uh, developed, you know, we could always talk about things. And if I agreed or disagreed, it didn't matter. And I was never intimidated by, I, I think some people are intimidated by Tom because of his uh, stature. I mean, not, tall he's not tall but i mean his stature in our organization you know and stuff but the thing i wanted to relay the story this has happened several years ago uh we were we've been involved 
for several years, uh, you know, with ICCPE together and stuff. And, and it was in Waterloo. We were still in Waterloo at the Ramada. And it was, and, you know, of course, here's, uh, you know, the end of January. And we're outside of the, the Ramada. He was out there. I forget if we were, if, if I think I was maybe just getting there. I don't know. I, I think, yeah, that's, I'm sure it was because it was that night. But he was talking, and at that point in time, and I don't know if um, it, his wife is a physician. Did you know that, that his wife is a doctor? Mm-hmm. And yeah. her, at that time, there was something going on in her professional career and stuff, and they were thinking at that time, this is before he, he bought his place down in Naples, you know, that he has his place in yep. Florida that they own. Mm-hmm. But she yep. had her family, I think, was down in the southeast part of the United States. I don't know if it was Florida. I can't remember at the time. For some reason, I didn't think it was Florida, but she was thinking of moving her practice and moving down there, which was going to require Tom to leave the county conservation system. He wasn't the uh, director, executive director for our state association. He was still with Lynn County, I believe. Okay. At the time, but but the thing of it is, you know, some people talk a good game, but they don't really follow through with it, and it'll always be stuck in my mind. He was standing there trying, telling me this. If for some reason it was just him and I, and he was sharing that with me and the, the tears were welling up in his eyes and he was, his voice was wavering and stuff. And I, I just, to me, that really struck me at his passion and his, uh, you know, commitment to county conservation in the state of Iowa. I mean, it was more than just, he wasn't like, yeah, we're going to maybe move and, and this will all be done and I'm gone. You know, I, to me, that really struck really deep of his commitment to county conservation in the state. And I, I, yeah. I don't know if that's an appropriate story to share or not, but I, I mean, I had a lot of respect for Tom before that, and but it sort of solidified everything that I thought the kind of, he doesn't do this for the rec- uh, recognition or, or accolades, I, no. you know, I've never felt. He does it because no, he, feels, he feels that's a mission for him, you know. Yeah. The Lord is a yeah. mission. But, I mean, all of us, I guess all of us in the field need to uh, make sure that we keep a passion for what we do and, you know, try to do the best we can in our local boards. And, and if, if it's possible to get involved in a statewide level and, and look at a, a statewide vision, uh, you know, sort of you know, take a little bit of what Tom has. I don't know that anybody can be like, like Tom. He just, uh, he's a oh, yeah. different creature. You know, for uh, sure. So yeah. that was my yeah, that, that and that's fantastic. And, and thanks for sharing that. You know, it's, that's I hadn't you know heard that before. That you know, there's a chance that they were going to leave at one point. And, and uh, I mean, that Tom, Tom is is, I mean, he he's one of my heroes for sure, personally, just because of that passion that he brings and that that vision that he brings and the 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 big picture thinking of you know i mean he he is he's the hub of the county conservation wheel you know i mean we've got we've got 99 spokes extending out around the state to the different counties and then you know you've got you got tom in the middle just trying to you know have this this overall kind of hey we're all in this together and you know and the whole iaccb and the iaccbe and and you know bringing some of that collective power of all of 99 of us together um and and to do it with such passion and enthusiasm and and it's just man i i i really admire that guy he's he's done 
amazing thing. Yeah. You know, just in the time I've been here, I've I just I've seen what the leadership he's he's brought to you know our organization and and our industry. It's it's been fantastic. Those are going to be some big shoes to fill for sure. I mean, there well, there will never yeah, be another Tom Hazelton. That's for sure. No, I don't think so. And and I have that thing, you know, with you know, he is he was the guy that uh, brainchild and and the one that followed, you know, for CCPOA and and you know his statewide leadership. I, he's going to be, I don't know, hard to replace. I just have a hard time sometimes envisioning what the future is going to be like after he steps away. Uh, you know, I always yeah. thought Tom. <laughs> I think probably 15 years from now, I'll hear that Tom probably is heading up. Uh, the senior citizen resort area down <laughs> as a spokesman for some <laughs> senior citizen living community in Florida or something. That I, I find him hard to. He's just that kind of guy. He'll he'll get passionate yeah. about something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway. I can totally see that too. Yep. Yeah, that was my Tom Hayden <laughs> story. So <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. That's. <laughs> uh, so I want to want to dig into kind of the nuts and bolts, you know, some professional and institutional insight. And you know, we, we've talked about passion and and you know that that desire to to make a bigger impact. Um, and that that may be the answer to this question. But what is it that makes you or or anybody for that matter stay somewhere for a long career? You know, I mean, forty years in the same county. You know, that that's almost unheard of these days, you know, people bouncing around from job to job and place to place. And, you know, right. wh- what is it that that keeps somebody in a place like that for such a long career? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like we were talking, I mean, you stand there. You know, how old are you, Chris? I'm 38. Yeah, you're 38. 38. You know, I'm. Yeah, I'm yep. 67, but I mean, it's sort of like you stand there, and no matter where you're at in your life now, how, you you sit there and you turn back and look at the path and you go, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. When I got there, I think it was just sort of a perfect storm type thing. You know, I was newly married. I was a year in. I didn't have any children yet. Uh, and then my wife was starting a career as a nurse. Uh, she was going to school when, when we first got there, and pretty soon you got a few kids you know, now, you know, we ended up with four, but I mean, by the mid eighties, we had three kids and my wife had a nursing career. And I, I don't know when I came, when I first came to Tama County, like I said, I was the only guy working. So I was the director. I was doing all the park ranger duties and all that kind of stuff. The first two summer seasons that I was there, I took two days off for the first two. I was on seven days a week. I was working, uh, close to 80 hours every week for the first two years during the warm season. Anyway, um, looking after the summer staff and the maintenance stuff and all that kind of thing. And, and I loved every minute of it. I mean, and then pretty soon five or 10 years have gone by and, and I guess I always liked working. I like working with uh, my board members. I like working with the board of supervisors, even though we don't always agree. And even though you got unique personalities and, I don't know. I just sort of fell in love with the place, what I was doing. I felt like I was doing something good for Tama County. I felt our program was a positive for our community, our county community. Um, And then pretty, I don't know, I just never felt a desire to go, I've had enough of this. I mean, everybody has that. We had a 
a big hog confinement that was going in next to our our park. Uh, this had been years ago, and and the board basically fought them uh, tooth and nail. That was back when the hog confinement thing was the big battle around the whole state. I mean, it wasn't unique to right. Tama County, but we involved. Right. We got knee deep in it, and we had an attorney that was an attorney for the uh, the county as a whole, actually for the, our state uh, for our. Uh, insurance pool that we were involved with and and i know he got in some hot water and i had a farmer come into my office one before a big uh, public meeting that we were going to a hearing he told me that i shouldn't that i shouldn't go or i was going to get fired he was going to make sure i get fired and i never felt intimidated by that i never i said well that's my job and my board needs me there so i'm going uh and you think things like that might sour a person, but it really didn't. I just made me think what we were doing was all that more important. I, I, I don't know. How can you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess I, because right. the family situation was, was happy. My kids were growing. There aren't very many kids that get an opportunity to grow up inside of a park. Uh, that's a right. unique living situation. And, and my wife's career was taken off, and she was doing really well. And, and I don't know, just everything just sort of, why mess this up? Why go somewhere else? You know, I probably could make more money somewhere else, but would I be as happy? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's how I stayed there. Yeah. So it, it sounded like, you know, it, it certainly had its share of challenges, but that was almost kind of one of the draws of the job is, you know, right. just taking on those challenges and, and you know, working for something bigger. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was, you know, uh, what inspiring me and, and challenging me at the same time. And I mean that we're humans and that's, there's a lot of uh, things that go on and stuff, but, and yeah, that, that hog confinement situation was a really interesting thing to work through, but uh, that was probably the, I, and for a couple of years after that, I know there was some farmers in the area that were trying to get me to lose my job, you know, for some reason. I don't know why. They didn't have anything personal against with me. And then down the road, it was sort of funny because there was a, a railroad uh, rail tra- trail in uh, the northwest part of our county, and one of those farmers ended up becoming one of, a good friend of mine as far as, you know, I don't hang out with him, but, I mean, very friendly in a really amiable situation. But it was like just a few, about a decade before, you were trying to get me to lose my job, you know, what's that all about? <laughs> yeah, that's the way life is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny how things go full circle like that sometimes. Yeah, it is. You mentioned, you know, dealing with supervisors and and board members. So, have on the on the board side of things. You know, I know having a supportive board is is critical uh, to you know the success of a director or to a of a program. Um, you know, do you feel you had a, a supportive board? for most or all of your career? Yeah, I was very fortunate, I think, because, you know, you're the same way. You go to state meetings, you chat with uh, guys and gals, you know, the directors around the state, and you're hearing some stories, and you're going, holy cow, I'm glad I don't have that going on. But <laughs> we had, I yeah. had really good board members. Uh, the main thing with to make a good board member is if they understand what their role is. I know there was a big time... A period of time, there must have been a lot of conservation boards having problems where they were trying, like on the board member side of it, you know, trying to train them the difference between what a board member does and what a, a director does, you know, and what the staff is doing and and mm-hmm. trying to make 
clear boundaries, you know, because I know there was some counties like I heard horror stories of uh, a director would tell his small staff to go, well, we'll go up to this park and mow, and then when you're done there, we're going to move over to this place, and the director might swing out to check on the crew later in the day, and they're nowhere to be seen. Well, one of their board members came and go, what are you doing here? You need to be over at this other park, you know, and Oh. Uh, those kind of situations. But, no, I felt really lucky. Uh, towards the end of my career, I did have my worst board member on the board. She finally resigned probably just six or eight months before I retired. But uh, she was just a work. But, I mean, it was as long as the majority of the board was, you know, in support and stuff. She just made my life a little, uh, for instance, I you know, I, I've been like I've been doing it for 40 years and stuff. And when we get a budget, uh, I you know I present budgets to my board and they approve it. And then I go to the board of supervisors with the budget. And once it's approved, there's certain aspects of that budget that I feel I don't don't shouldn't have to come back to my conservation board and go, you know, go. Uh, well, we need to buy five gallons of paint and we need to buy this, you know, some screen doors and. I shouldn't have the board. That isn't a board decision. The budget's already been approved. If I'm within the budget, I should be able to do yeah. that. But she was like, right. we had some signs we had to buy from Iowa State Industry. From you know, We do that on a regular basis. We go through and do an inventory and go over low on our, our wildlife, uh, you know, the hunting areas, the public hunting area signs and Although, and we need a couple stop signs and we might need a yield sign or something like that. So we go ahead and order. And I remember distinctly, she had a lot of board meetings. She goes, I think we need to, as a board, to dis- to discuss this purchase. And I go, it's in the budget, you know, and, and I should have, if I need to buy toilet paper, I'm not going to come to you guys and ask if it's okay if I buy toilet paper. So, you know, you get that kind of stuff. Have you had any problems with any of your board members, you know, in the seven years that you've been director? Um, I mean, we've had instances where, you know, we haven't necessarily seen eye to eye on things, but, you know, we've always, you know, once the decision has been made, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent support. And so now, uh, supervisors is a different story. And so, you know, I I was going to ask you that, you know, next of, you know, have you, have you had some spats with, with supervisors and, and, you know, what, how did that turn out? And, and, you know, prescriptively what what recommendations do you have say for other directors or you know folks dealing with those kind of things on how to navigate what can sometimes be you know unnecessarily political or contentious uh yeah good well like you know the thing like i said we had that hawk confinement issue that was a a number one thing because i know our board of supervisors got really upset because what we ended up doing was suing our uh, zoning board is what, so you had the county conservation board uh, suing the Tama County zoning board type thing. So that was sort of, wow. a contentious, yeah, that was a contentious thing. And, but the board of supervisors, uh, their head guy at that time uh, was from Gladbrook area and he was very uh, progressive in thinking, which we're, so it was sort of, it was sort of like, they understood what we were doing and why we were doing it. They weren't overly happy with it, but they weren't going to try to step in and, and stop us because, like I said, it was sort of it wasn't that argument or that uh, discussion was going on statewide. I mean, it was that was at the time where it was on WHO radio and 
uh, Des Moines Register and all kinds of stuff, you know, this kind of thing about the hog confinement. But, uh, okay, what's the, you know, with your board, even your conservation board, I think you just have to go into it and, and be professional and communicate and um, you have to be patient and understand, too, that your situation in Des Moines County is different, probably going to be your different different uh, environment there, you know, that you're dealing with your supervisors. You're dealing with a history maybe between the conservation board and supervisors. We had a pretty good working relationship. They did not always agree with us, and we didn't always agree with them. And the same thing with my board. But like you said, with the conservation board, if, if a motion is passed or whatever, my board never did anything that I thought uh, I sort of have a moral line that I don't like to cross or, you know, do anything unethical or anything like that. My board was very good that way. Uh, uh-huh. But and with the supervisors, I don't know. For them, I just try to, I don't know. You know, if you aren't talking about specific problems, you got to deal with them. you got to respect their position. You know, they're looking at it from a to- total countywide budget and we're concerned, sort of almost like going to the REAP committee and putting in your best project and not scoring high enough, you know. you got to figure out ways to communicate with them in a more positive venue. I've never was forced into where I had to – I know some counties I heard where, oh, well, we'll get uh, 50 supporters to come in and scream and holler at the Board of Supervisors and, you know, to get something through. I never had to resort to that. It was more mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes discussions. Uh, I don't know. Is that any help at all? I don't. <laughs> you know, yeah. you almost got to play it by ear. Have you had problems with your supervisor? Well, you know, like I said, for the Nature Center, for the longest time, they were sort of averse to that. They didn't really want us. They didn't want to give us a, a naturalist, so we just sort of end run them, went around and started raising money and. And they eventually bought into it because I think there was enough positive. If you got a good project, it seems like the positive comes through and sometimes starts wearing on them a little bit, and they start seeing more positive things out of it. I don't know. Yeah. But what doesn't yeah. work? What doesn't work is getting. You don't want to ever get in a situation. I've had supervisors, individual supervisors, that uh, disagree and maybe even voice something that's contrary to what we we believe in or what we think is important and you have to try to work with that individual. We have a three member conservation, I mean, supervisors. Do you have three supervisors? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, some counties have five, but I mean, three, the thing, yeah. the thing that was frustrating for me in my career was like with the, trying to get a naturalist, I'd work on them and I'd give them information and, and we'd talk behind the scenes and you'd think you're just about getting there. And then they'd have an election and one of them wouldn't run or you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you'd have to change over the dynamic and then you're back to square one. You got to educate them and stuff. So, right. Uh, yeah. Also the thing I think, and I know not all directors are going to be there very long, but you've been there seven years. Your board, of, your board of supervisors have known you for seven years. I, I feel strongly that as a director, you need to be consistent. You need to be ethical. You need to be uh, uh, understanding of other people's views. And also, like when I, every year when I go in and do budgets, I always told them, this is not what we want. This is what we need. And, mm-hmm. and after a while, I think they just knew 
the kind of person I was, I wasn't going to try to pull the wool over their eyes or, you know, screw them over or get them in hot water type. There's a trust that has to be developed over time. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, yeah that, that that's a very good point because, you know, establishing that, that trust, and, you know, it isn't always going to go perfectly and they're not necessarily always going to agree with you, but, you know, it, as long as you're, you're operating with integrity and, you know, and, and being forthcoming with, you know, what it is you're asking for, you know, I, that's kind of been my experience too, is that you just, you lay it all out there and then you hash it out. So, exactly. you know, and you always run into sometimes difficult personalities, you know, cause they are, you know, I mean, they're a, they're a board, but they're, they're three individuals and they, you know, they've got their individual quirks and, and uh, you just got to kind of understand people and learn how to navigate that. Right. Exactly. And so along, along those lines of, you know, operating a, a department, um, you know, what are, what are some things, you know, looking back that, that you did that really benefited the organization just, you know, I'm thinking operationally, like I'm, I'm looking for, you know, tips or tricks here, you know, obviously the building a nature center and, you know, growing an EE program that, you know, that, that's a big thing, but are there, there's some little things looking back on like, man, that, that was a fantastic decision or contrarily, um, you know, is there anything that at the time you thought was a great idea that turned out, wow, that probably shouldn't have done that, or that didn't work out like I thought it was going to, you know, a, a favorite mistake uh, that you learned from? No, I never made any mistakes. <laughs> it's almost too, right. too many to number. I mean, it's sort of like I've told people, after you work a job for 40 years, I felt like when I retired, I was probably about two months behind on everything. <laughs> I don't know. It just <laughs> um, Positive-wise, I, it isn't a big deal. I, I The thing is, and maybe somebody your age, it's hard to envision, but, you know, when I came in as as executive secretary or director, basically, uh, I had a, a manual typewriter, you know, it was a ma- manual typewriter. And so every document that I typed, it, it, you know, if I typed to each board member uh, a letter, it was, you know, to put their name on it and stuff, I had to type five five letters to send out to them. And st- uh, so here I had to, and then I went back to a, uh, a uh, uh, well, it was a, a little, it was not a computer but it was a, it had a floppy disk. It was a word processing unit, and I thought, oh, that's the greatest. Mm. You know, that's that, that's wonderful. So right. Uh, and so I thought, uh, and then then eventually I got the small uh, little computer, and and the thing was, you had to convince the board all the time. Well, this is the way to go. You know, where this is the the look of the future. We got to keep moving this way. So uh, then I, you know. Uh, I got a small computer and we had, I remember when we had dial up modem at our office and it's like, holy crap, was that like a horse and buggy compared to what you're at now? And then, then it was a big deal. Then we stepped up to real full blown computer systems and stuff. And I had a board member that was very progressive and he helped me on the supervisor level and also with the board members, uh, uh, about work, you know, developing that and then we had the yard nature centers out in the country so we didn't still had dial-up modem even though we were buying nice nicer computer systems and all that kind of thing and and the, to have the vision 
from a board member perspective, they have the vi- vision to realize the wave of the future was it was going to be, uh, you know, through the air. It wasn't going to be with doing things manually. So we had a system that was installed that was uh, developed in desert storms so we could bounce off a tower in the courthouse. And it wasn't true high speed. They're now working on trying to get uh, uh, cable in, you know, all the way out to the nature center. But I don't know where that's at. You know, that wasn't. But just the develop that is just astounding to me over my course of my career how that changed and how important that was because I went from in 1979 the early 1980s every other day having to drive you know 10 minutes into town to drop a bunch of letters in the mailbox and then drive you know instead then by the time I retired probably 85 percent or more of my correspondence was done uh, via email you know it was Mm -hmm. that's just astounding over my career but, you know, I guess yeah. that's something, you know, and that took, you know, some people to support that. I mean, the board never resisted it. I mean, they realized it, but uh, that that's just been a, a big deal, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as an idea that I had that really sort of crashed and burned, I don't really remember. <laughs> Maybe it was just uh, gradual crash and burns and stuff, you know, type of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I can't think any of that was real, you know, boy, you screwed up on that. I mean, minor things. I did a lot of, you know, I was a, are you a certified officer? No. Are you a Cedar certified peace officer? No, no. No, okay. No, I was, no. you know, uh, so I, I just remember some of the things that, you know, uh, handling drunk and disorderly uh, campers or whatever like that, that, you go, well, I'm going to handle that different next time, you know, those kind of things. But I don't really remember right. thing, anything on the administrative side majorly. I probably, no. I'm probably blocking that out. <laughs> you <laughs> block the negative, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. I'm sure there were. Yeah. I'm sure there were. I just can't really relate any cool stories that way. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's quite right. And, and honestly, you know, that's probably the sign of a, of a great career is that, you know, I mean, the, the things that stick out are the, are the good stuff. And, uh, and we all have, you know, the crap that we deal with, but you know, when the, when the good things is what gets remembered, that's pretty good indication that it's a good career. Kind of stepping back to bigger picture stuff. What are some ways that were maybe surprising or unexpected that our industry, you know, kind of conservation or conservation in general um, has changed over the years um, or, or what ways did it not that you thought it would? Uh, the way that the industry changed, uh, I mean, we've all, in the 40 years that I was there, all departments, you know, I'm assuming all departments, as far as I know, there was uh, exponential growth in staff, you know, and and in programs, you know, like you were saying, everybody started somewhere and, and normally branched out, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, adding environmental education or going with more wildlife areas or, or that kind of stuff. That was one of the uh, exponential growth in our system. I mean, I don't know how many, I guess I don't know how many county employees there were, county conservation employees there were when I came in in 79. But I know just in my district, you know, you look at the programs, their staff and their programming has just gone through the roof. Uh, and I think, you know, that's 
we'll realize is we're providing something valuable. I think that's what allowed that to happen. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, one of the positives. I see also, you know, the technology changes and stuff that we have. And I'm sure we, we talked about that briefly, you know, with this COVID thing and, uh, you know, whether it was Zoom or whatever kind of meetings you're doing, that incorporation uh, really ha- has changed. You know, well, in 79, it was telephone, dude. You know, that was it. You know, you might might have a fax machine that you could fax somebody something, but that was it back in 79. So, yeah, that has changed phenomenally, too. And I don't know that it's yeah. all good that way. You know, the Zoom thing, I, I think it's really, I could see that. You know, Tom was developing that, you know, with, uh, you know, ICCS and all that kind of stuff, providing that service. And, and before COVID hit, I'm sure it was used somewhat, but, not as much as what he he foresaw, and boy, thank God he had that in place. But um, right, I, I I have a hard time because of my long uh, involvement with ICCBE. Uh, I'm a kind of guy that does better when I'm sitting with someone and looking across the table at them, and I can read them and and communicate better, and and I get to know people that way. I can understand to save money and and time to do these zoom meetings, but I was reading here recently, they were saying those meetings don't uh, develop relationships and sometimes not as deep of, you can't have the same kind of discussion as you have. If you got eight people around a table or something talking rather than eight people on a zoom conference type thing, you you just don't get the same exchange. The value, uh, I don't think it's quite as good. So I, I hope they don't ditch that completely you know, like IACCBE doing it on Zoom all the time and never going to a meeting, you know, I think you need to, well, just like with the Directors Association, you know, there's a lot of things that are done not in the meeting proper. It's in the hallway standing out talking and, and at table exactly. at lunchtime, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. And besides yeah, that, I, I would know, agree with you there. Yeah, I, I just hate to see that, you know, so I'm afraid there's a little concern I have with uh, uh, the millennials coming in and stuff, too. Uh, this might not be in order with where you're going. But the uh, like I said, I feel and I think maybe just because I'm an old fart and I've been around a long time, I think the historical perspective is really hard to for people to understand when they come in as a, a new director to realize yeah, you got a lot of cool new ideas and you can take this program in a new direction, but you also have to find out and pay a little bit of uh, uh, respect towards history of your program, you know, how you got to where you're going and, you know, what was the process. And and so you're not just trying to create a brand new program from day one when you roll in. Does that make any sense? Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah, I, I, I'm exactly. afraid of some of the millennials that they aren't doing that. They're not reaching out enough to say, why did you, what were you thinking in this area? Or what were your thoughts or what, <laughs> you know, you right. don't have that. So, yeah. Yeah. History's bound to repeat itself unless we learn from it. Right. And right. So, exactly. And so you had a, a long tenure with the uh, employees affiliate. Iowa Association of County Conservation Board employees. And, you know, that, that kind of ties in a little bit here. Um, you know, what, 
what do you feel, you know, as, as being an administrator for a long time, what are the keys to hiring good employees? Okay, hiring good employees. <laughs> that can be challenging sometimes. Well, first of all, I'm a, right. how, how, big is, how big is your staff now down there, Chris? We're how many? full-time, we're eight. Eight. So, I mean, you're twice as big as Tama County. And for mm-hmm. part of my tenure, it was I mean, it wasn't like we were hiring. Like, my maintenance supervisor has been there, I think, 21 years. So it wasn't like we were hiring a lot on the permanent level. However, we did when we hired a naturalist, and then we, within, a, I think, a year, then we hired a new conservation tech. Uh, and then now the new director, she, she was our naturalist, so she had to hire a naturalist. And then her conservation tech retired, or not retired, resigned. And so she had to hire somebody new there. So within the, I was telling her, you've hired more people within your six months or whatever than I did in, in several years. But uh, the, <laughs> right. I don't know, well, hiring good, you know, how many, do you hire a lot of seasonals then? Um, yeah, we, we generally, we're up to five now for our field um, staff and then, um, one for our nature center. We hire an intern at our nature center. Okay. So you got, so that's mainly where my hiring was done on a regular basis on the, uh, we were, I, I feel that we were fortunate to find good employees, uh, even on uh, our permanent staff when we did it. I don't know if there was any trick to it. It was what I did was I reached out to, and maybe you do the same thing. I reached out to several of, uh, conservation boards that, you know, I have respect for, or I, I you know, or, or people I know personally, more personally, and say, you know, what do you do? You know, what questions are you asking? How are you doing this? You know, and 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 so I was relying on others to, you know, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you know, it's like anything. When you go to a district meeting, you look at things and you go, I'm sure you're going, well, we can never do that in Des Moines County, or hey, that's a good idea, but I would do it this way, or so I rely on that kind of stuff. Uh, also, just you know, advertising properly, not trying to stay local. Some counties run into that, well, we only want to hire local people. So, well, that sort of restricts your pool somewhat. Uh, I don't go nationally. I mean, but we go around the state, people applying. Um, mm-hmm. For summer staff, it's it's just sort of a, you're taking a read on the person that's sitting across the table from you and trying to make sure that they uh, – meet your requirements as far as driving records and all that kind of stuff and, and seeing if, uh, you know, just sort of read their character. I, I don't know mm-hmm. that way. I don't, with summer staff, I've had pretty good luck, but some years you have better luck than others. I'm sure you're probably right. the same way. <laughs> yeah. And if you're hiring yeah. six people, like you said, or something every summer season, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And has your pool really shrunk down, or your number of applicants, or not, for summer staff? It, it, yeah, for our summer staff, we we hit a, a drought there for a couple years. We've managed to bump it back up here, probably in the last last two. Um, but that's largely due to I'm re-recruiting. I'm bringing several of these guys back on, um, and then you know, so I'm trying to to kind of build in a promotional system you know you hire somebody on there for their first year and if they're good you really try to bring them back give them a good raise and you know give them you know even a dollar raise or something bring them back the following year and then you know talk to them and say you know hey do you have anybody you recommend that you know would be good from this and i would say most of my good ones my my highest functioning seasonal staff 
have all come from some sort of recommendation from somebody, either, you know, somebody that some other kid that previously worked for me or, or some seasonal that previously worked for me or on a recommendation from another county or something like that. And honestly, the same would hold true for for most of the last few of my my full time staff, actually, because we've, we've had a lot of turnover in the last several years within our, our department. And, and um, you know, the, some of the best hires that, that I've made have have come because of that network, you know. And and that I think is, you know, one of the I wanted to say I appreciate, you know, your work on the employees affiliate in in having that network in place so that, you know, we can we can talk with other counties and, and share those ideas and say, you know, man, I had this really great kid work for me last summer, you know, and he's looking to get some experience somewhere else. You know, I'll I'll let him know you've got a position open and just, you know, that that collaborative nature of our industry, of the county conservation world is just so effective in so many ways. I just, I, I love it, you know, and then, and, yeah. you know, like you said with that, the zoom meetings thing, you're right. The, the value of conferences and, and meetings and get togethers is those conversations that happen over lunch or, you know, during the social hours in the evenings. And, you know, that, that's where the real work gets done <laughs> and, and exactly. you can't replicate that digitally. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So I don't really have any high, uh, great, I have the one thing though, and I forget what director it was that told me this. This was years ago, and it's sort of true. They go, you know, you get people that apply for positions, even full times, and I still check on it. But you have references, the list lit references, and and this person, I forget who it was. He said, uh, "When was the last time you'd had anybody say anything bad?" That was a reference person's always going to give the best side of them sometimes. Right. So you got to do a little investigative work or something like, you know, if I have a person that's working for me that worked for Woodbury County, I could, you know, well, it's Dan Heisel now, but I could have called Rick Schneider and go, what can you yep. tell me about Billy here? You know, is he, you know, and, he, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I called Rick for anybody, but I have other directors, uh, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. and, and we share back and forth. We're so open and I never felt any, uh, competition and never felt like there was somebody trying to outdo another county or something. Well, always real cooperative and real helpful, you know, you have the same vision of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's why I love county conservation so much, Um, you know, because there is that there's that camaraderie and, you know, and that, that willingness to, to share ideas. And and there isn't that, that, you know, we're, we're not in our own silos. Um, as as much as maybe we could be, you know, we we do operate within our own counties and stuff. And, but you know, just like you said, I have you know, if I get an applicant and and I see another county conservation board listed on there, I'm calling that director. You know, whether they've got them listed as a reference or not, I'm calling them because exactly. I know they're going to shoot me straight because we're all watching out for each other. And uh, exactly, you know, we're in it I, together, I aren't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, if 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 one county succeeds, we all do. And, you know, and and you, you don't see that in a lot of other industries and in a lot of other organizations out there. Um, you know, you have this you have kind of this, you know, this is mine and, and this kind of infighting. And um, it just it's a it's a detriment to effectiveness. Right. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, that's that's been hugely beneficial for me. You know, I mean, that there isn't I can't think of a director out there that you know, wouldn't pick up the phone if, if another director called and, you know, and, and shoot them straight. And, and, um, and it's a good way of, of weeding out the, it, 
not so much weeding out. Well, yeah, I guess it is kind of weeding out, but it's it's really it's going to rise the cream to the top. You know, if you got a really good seasonal kid that you know wants to get into this industry, going out and, and getting that experience in, in multiple counties and building that network, you know, getting to know directors and other staff around the CCB world and proving that they're good, that's that's going to pave the way for them getting jobs. Um, you know, if they really want to get into this, because more so in our world than probably any of the others out there, we are so collaborative and we want the best for, for the other counties. And so, um, you know, there's been numerous times that, that I've had directors be like, oh man, you've got to, you've got to hire this one. And, uh, and that's, uh, that just, that bodes well for everybody. You know, just, it makes everybody better. Exactly. So kind of winding down here, um, just kind of wanted to get some personal insight from you. Are there, are there any books um, that, you know, say you've most given as a gift or, or that you felt really influenced you? You know, are, are, are you much of a reader? I, I'm, yeah, I'm a big, I, big fan of books, and, and so I always like getting recommendations from those that I talk to. Well, uh, book-wise, relative to uh, – I was thinking about that. I used to read a lot. Uh, books-wise, it seems like in recent years I spend more time reading, uh, you know, magazines like Outside Magazine or something like that, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's an excellent magazine, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with Outside Magazine, but it's more of a. I, I sort of back when I was in college, I started reading that magazine. So, but it, uh, books-wise, uh, recently I haven't really been reading books. I mean, from what regards? I guess. For me, uh, you mean for what are some what what is, what was that? What is the book you've given as a gift? I don't normally give uh, books as gifts. You know, my one of my favorite books of all time is Les Miserables, but that was uh-huh. written back in the eighteen hundreds. Doesn't have anything to do with conservation, but that was one right. of my favorite have... books. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd recommend yeah. that book if you've never read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that Excellent. was written in 1862. Have you read Les Miserables before? I have not. No. It's just it's written by Victor Hugo back in 1862, and when I'm reading it, it's almost like it's unbelievable. Like it's almost made like a, a movie script or something. It's just like okay. the guy could see way out into the future with my head. Another guy I like is uh, his name is David Quammen, and he actually wrote for Outside Magazine, and he has a book called Natural Acts. And it didn't really influence me as far as it was just something of interest. It's uh, the book Natural Acts. It's a bunch of uh, short stories, basically, that he has on different uh, environmental or biological uh, things. It might be hypothermia. It might be whatever. But his writing style is very, very good and informative and stuff. Uh, Another one, I'm a certified officer. Another book I found was uh, William Queen is the guy's name. It's called Under and Alone, and it's a, a true uh, story about he went undercover out in California with the motorcycle gangs. Uh, like the It wasn't oh, Hell's Angels. It was a different one, but it's, that's a pretty darn good book. And then I also just like it, and it's not for reading purposes, but are you familiar with the Stokes Field Guides at all, the animal behavior yeah. and tracking? Oh, yeah. I had yep. that, and that was the coolest that was for a family. That was really cool. We had, of course, I lived at the park, and one year we had a pair of foxes that uh, took over. A, a, it was a, a badger den, is what they did. Was took it over, but we could see it from our 
our kitchen window. So my dad at that time, he was alive still. He was probably in his late 70s or early 80s and stuff. But we all used to like to sit at the uh, kitchen table and when he was there and we'd, with binoculars and watch these fox and everything. But that book, to the, you know, that book had when the last day you'd see the, the female fox before she went down to have the babies and when she come out, it was to the to the day that thing documented was just perfect. So it was like, oh, it was wow. just really awesome. Yeah, that was sort of pretty cool. Yeah. But I was able to, lots of times I have books that I, I find interesting, but I can't apply them to what I'm doing. But this was just mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, just watching those. Yeah. Books. But yeah, so those those are just a few books that, that I've read. I, I, I used to read a lot of classical literature and stuff, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, I, I don't know now. And with the internet and stuff, I find myself sometimes... Uh, reading more stuff on the internet, it seems like, than, you know, even you can get access to uh, research documents, all kinds of stuff just on the internet. So yeah, what book, I mean, what, what interests you? What kind of books do you read? (laughs) Oh, a little bit of everything, but uh, uh, I like, I really like nonfiction. So I've been reading a lot of like, oh, professional development leadership books. Um, My three so from a, a leadership perspective, um, professional development perspective, my, my three all-time favorites are, are um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People um, by Stephen Covey, Good to Great by Jim Collins, um, and then Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, I really think, you know, anybody that has has any interest in, in you know, like organizational development, leadership, um, those would be three really good ones. Um, for them to read because it, 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 um, kind of, it's really helped me kind of narrow my focus into how to really run a, an effective organization. And, uh-huh. uh, and I think my staff's kind of appreciated it too. But then when I'm, uh, when I'm not reading those, um, you know, kind of along our line of work, I did just finish reading here a few weeks ago. Um, what was it called? Um, braiding sweetgrass. Um, by, yeah. Um, and it, it was really, it's, I think it's, it's going to rank way up there as one of my all time favorites, as far as like, you know, for, from a natural resource perspective, um, it it is very poetic. Um, but, uh, I just, I really found it neat the way the author, um, you know, she's a a native American descendant, the way she weaves and she's an ecologist or a, a botanist maybe the way she weaves modern science with uh, traditional indigenous culture and, you know, the, the, uh, the traditions and, and, you know, just the way of doing things that, that um, traditional native Americans followed. um, And then weaving the science in as to why that was actually the right thing to be doing um, was just, I found that profound and I I really enjoyed reading that one. Um, Cool. But then sometimes when I need a break and I, I just want to, you know, read a, a fun novel, um, I really like uh, Clive Cussler books and um, Carl Hyacin. He's, he's an author from uh, down in Miami. Uh, he writes these really satirical tongue-in-cheek novels that um, he's, a, he's a columnist uh, for the Miami Herald, uh, writes a lot of environmental columns. But uh, he writes these books and they've always got some environmental theme. Uh, but they're just hilarious, and the characters are just so over the top. I, I really <laughs> love reading his stuff, and, and uh, I, I I almost always have 
two or three books going at the same time. I listen to a lot of audio books. Um, so whenever I'm in the car, I, I always either have an audio book or a podcast going. Um, and then I almost always have a hard copy book sitting by my bed. And then I'll have a digital, an ebook going on my Kindle. Um, and it just kind of, you know, like one will be a, a fiction, one will be a, a nonfiction and one will just be kind of a something somebody recommended and whatever I'm in the mood for, that's the, the medium that I'll pick up and, and tune into. And, um, you know, I'm, I just, I, I love it. I, I don't, I've almost sworn off social media. I, I get on Facebook a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, and, and we don't have television in my house. We, I mean, we have Netflix and Disney for my kids. I've got a, a two-year-old and a five-year-old, um, but it's always on cartoons. And so I don't, I don't tune into the nightly news. I, I haven't watched the news or a broadcast, an actual like CBS or NBC broadcast for, I don't know, five, six years running. Um, I read my local paper. Um, I'll, I'll scan through it in the morning when I'm eating my breakfast. And that's, that's the extent of my news consumption that kind of keeps me in touch with what's going on locally and around the world. And, and um, I just, I, I read, read books. And, and if I, you know, hear something going on, I'll go, you know, like you said, the internet has provided us the option to go and actually find the, you know, source material. And so I'll go and try to, you know, see what's actually having read the source material, but I don't, uh, I tried to avoid the mass media and social media and stuff. I just, I, I think that the breaking point was, was one of the elections here, either this last one or the midway one before that. And it just, it, it just, it got so ugly that I finally just had to pull the plug and I said, I'm, I'm not exposing myself to this anymore. Cause it just, it's not good for my mental health. <laughs> and so, right. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's awesome. I was wondering if you were a bookie, but with that question in there, when I was reading that, I was like, "On, well, I, you know Tom Buckley, right? Mm-hmm. The old, the old Lee, yep. uh, what was it? What county was he? Lee County. Lee County. Lee county. Was, yep. Uh, One right below me. Yeah. You know, he was quite the bookie too. I mean, he'd always be every time he'd have his Kindle with him, like up at Winterfest and stuff. He'd be reading all the time and everything. Yep. I, I, I just don't have that much time anymore it doesn't seem like to to spend that or also too when you get older uh, you have a tendency to <laughs> i'll read a book and i'll fall asleep <laughs> and you know when i'm going to bed right. at night or i used to be able to read for a good <laughs> hour or so now it might be 20 minutes and i'm out of here type thing <laughs> yeah yeah so, i don't i don't yeah you know with with uh you know what you're doing with that sounds like a good idea with your kids and stuff and and lack of tv and all that kind of stuff Maybe I do too much of that. Uh, I don't know, but that you know, that's good for you. That's awesome. So. Yeah, you know, and I, I, there's a there's a, a line there, and I, and I'm probably way way behind it. Um, you know, I, my wife she modulates our our household average because you know she she's on Facebook all the time and I don't know. <laughs> snap, well, my wife thing, is the same way. I'm not on Facebook that much. I just like to. There's a you know. A uh, few few friends from you know around the county conservation system. My friend, yeah, you know, friend on Facebook, and and I like you know Dan Cohen's one. I Mark Wagner used to work for the. I don't know if you know Mark or not. He was with Mississippi River Museum up there, and he used to okay. work for Jasper County years ago. Jasper County, but I'll follow those guys or Dean Mueller. I don't know from Worth County, and, uh-huh. but I'm just interested in seeing. I don't want. I hate the political crap. I don't pay any attention to that you know stuff, but. Or Heisel, even from Woodbury County, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. 
but I get it. Yep. I, I enjoy their family pictures or, you know, they're doing this or, or they got a dog, yeah. you know, like Dan Cohen's got a new dog and he's taking a lot of wildlife pictures and stuff like that. Then I like to check those yep. out and stuff. I find that interesting, but I'm have no yeah. interest in the political side of it. I, right. Yeah. And it, it's a fantastic tool for that, you know, keep, keeping in touch with folks. You know, I, I know my mom, she would never you know, have any idea of what my kids look like were not for Facebook. <laughs> you know, she, exactly. she doesn't live here in town with me. And so that's, you know, that's how she keeps in touch. And so, you know, there is, well, there's that value. That. She checks my wife's pictures. Yeah. 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 Well, and that, that's what it's for. Yeah. Right. So before we part here, um, you know, if, if you could put one message on a billboard for, you know, at least the professionals in, in this line of work um, to see, or, you know, maybe it could be for the general population too. Um, you know, what, what would you say? Is there a kind of a, a message or a, a few words or a paragraph or a quote that, uh, you know, you'd, you'd like the, the world to hear or see? Uh, <laughs> I didn't write one down. I had something in my head. Now I'm trying to think of one. Just and we talk about that. I think uh, to let uh, honesty, integrity, passion, and a respect for people uh, be your guide. Be your professional career guide, basically. So what was that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let let uh, honesty, integrity, uh, passion. And respect for others, be your career guide. I think if you do that, whether it's with your general public, if you do that with your board members, if you do that with your staff, uh, you do that with anybody, it's going to only help your career. I think if you try to be dishonest or, you know, your super board of supervisors are going to pick up on that. They want to know, Chris Lee, they want to know the person that's standing in front of them. What, what are you made out of? You know, and I think that's important for uh, uh, any career. Uh, that ability yeah. to communicate and, and be respectful of others and be honest, you know. I want to know when I'm talking to Chris Lee when he's saying something. If I was a board of supervisor, if he says he needs this new mower or whatever, that he really needs that. He's not just, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever. So yeah. you agree with that, then? Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's fantastic insight. And, and uh, I think in today's world, <laughs> that's really good advice. Yeah, sure. it is. I wish uh, I wish we could get the legislators to agree with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Oh man. Well, Bob, thank you so much for for uh, taking the time to, to chat one, with me. This has I been one, fantastic. And, I have uh, one question for you. One question. Yeah. How many, how many how many directors have you been able to do this with? Um, I think you are. Somewhere around six. Um, cool. You mentioned Tom Buckley. He was actually my first one. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. Yep. And so I, I got him. He was actually, um, you know, because he's the, he's the county right south of me. And, uh, right. you know, and he's, he's an interesting guy. And, and I think uh, it was actually um, him retiring that, that made me think, man, you know, because he'd been in Lee County for a long time. and Made me think, I, I, you know, I need, to, I need to chat with him and get some insight. And, uh and so I did that, and then I thought, oh, I should be talking to everybody, actually, that's leaving our industry. And so um, here just recently, I talked with uh, Daryl Parker, uh, Rick Schneider. Um, I've talked with um, oh, 
couple others. And then uh, next week or the week after, I've got um, Denny Lewiston on the hook. He's going to he's gonna be talking to oh, me yeah, soon. Denny. <laughs> so, well, that's good. You yeah. should be commended for doing this. I, I really... I really think you're on something there, you know, and, and I, again, I'm sort of that historical guy. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, if there was anything that made sense or anything that could help anybody, that's what I'm here for. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure all those other guys are feel the same way. You know, I all, I know all those guys. So, well, and it was good talking to you and you're doing good things and, and best wishes you. to you. Okay. Yeah, you too. You take care and be safe. All right. You too. Bye now. Uh, bye.